0: Welcome to Startup Stable Success. My name is John Vanderveer, and I'm here with Aaron Carapella. How's it going,
1: everybody? Uh, we are excited today to be here to talk about coming up with ideas.
0: This is my favorite part about starting a business. Uh, when it comes to uh, being creative or coming up with a new idea or how to make that idea uh, a possible thing, like being a big dreamer, I love this part. Yeah, and
1: it's it's such an important aspect of business. Um obviously you have to first have an idea of what you want to do and um, we're going to go into a little bit today about how to see if your idea has already been created before, how to set your idea apart, um, how to do some market research to see if you're going to have competition or or not or whether or not it's really a viable idea to go forward with. So this is a really, this is going to be an exciting day. and. Um, It's episode number two for us. So we have a long string of ideas of episodes that will be coming out over the next weeks and months. And do you want to just get right right into it, John? Let's go. Okay. Well, um, a lot of people have ideas that have been lingering for years. And sometimes people have spontaneous epiphanies of what a business idea could be. Um, Personally, for me, uh, the Tribal Nations map business that I have, uh, I started out thinking about that when I was six or seven years old. Um, some people think about a business and uh, they'll stay up all night long thinking about how I can turn this into something that makes sense. Um, and they'll get real excited and by the next day they've got a website up. So it's a little bit different for any, everybody. Um how would you say it normally is for you, John, when you've created a business? Have you had to think about things for a long time, or is it kind of an epiphany?
0: In most cases, I'm the one that I get excited pretty quick, and I, I act on it pretty quick. Um, I, <laughs> I'm i one of those type of people that if I get into something, I get all the way into it. So it's not just like... Um, I like this and I'm going to enjoy this for fun. I look at this and like, how can I turn this into something that can be financially viable for my family? Um, so I'm a very quick, uh, like I, <laughs> I move quickly, which is not good in most situations, but some situations it's been great too, um, trying to get those ideas out there. Uh, but I'm definitely a get excited and get going on it kind of person.
1: Yeah, I think that's my natural inclination, also. But because I have a like a business and marketing background, the logical aspect of whether or not it's a viable or good business idea, yeah, that kind of like pops into my head and kind of like tempers my excitement a little bit sometimes. So I kind of probably let the idea linger for a little bit. Um, but I, I guess I'm a mix of both. I would say. And I think, I think you get excited about an idea and then you, and then you start thinking logically as time goes on, like, okay, yeah. well, how am I actually going to lay this out? Like if you're designing something, um, for our website or, or a new map, yeah, I think you get excited with me. Like, okay, this is a great idea. But, um, later on when you're actually designing it, I see you kind of,
0: um, get into design and logical mode. So, um, well design stuff, like. I don't know if you remember this, but when we first started talking about this podcast, within like two days, I sent you a logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you, did, was, you definitely, Like you, I do that a lot. So it's kind of funny because I view it as I've got an idea for this business. I've got a name for the business. I need to jump on and buy the domain for it now. I need to get a logo created now because I don't want anybody to uh, steal the domain or anything like that and which i mean nobody's done it since the internet existed that domain so why would all of a sudden somebody's gonna buy it now <laughs> but i still like i get excited like so if it's something that i'm big into for sure i'll jump the gun and being a graphic designer the first thing that i do is uh we come up with a name and a logo design quickly
1: yeah that's why i think it's good um whether or not whatever your your mode of of operating or um deciding to take a business forward is. I think it's great that there are like systems of structure in place um, to help us kind of mold our ideas and move forward. So for example, we have uh, marketing research. That's a really important aspect of a business is looking at, for example, different ways to measure whether or not this is going to be a successful idea, or if it's just something that um, you think is a good idea, but may not wind up um people may not tap into the idea and actually like put out their good money for it yeah you know so um there are several ways to do market research and i just wanted to kind of highlight some and if if anyone during this episode um if you hear anything at all that is intriguing or you would like some more information or like to know uh, maybe how we handled a situation or need some advice you can always email us at at Startup Stable success at gmail.com and we can help you along the way. Um, if there are simple questions, we'll just try to help you out. We do offer uh, consulting if you would like to go that route, but um, if it's something that we can just help you out, we'd love to help you. So there's a few ways to do market research. Um, this is a little bit more up my alley than John's, but he, he has a lot of experience doing these things as well. Um, when, you're, when you have an idea for a business, and you wanna look at whether or not it's gonna be viable, you can do things like look online. You can just do simple Google searches and see whether or not there are competitors locally. If it's like a business that would be for more of a local setting, um, you wanna see whether or not there are other stores that are similar to that around you. If it's something on the internet in general that's like worldwide, you wanna see how many companies are offering this idea. You can also do surveys, like if you already have existing customers or even just friends and family, if you just want to tell them about this idea and just kind of gauge their initial reaction, like, does this sound
0: cool? Is this something you would
1: want to buy? Um, I think that's that's a really good thing. You probably You, you got to be
0: careful with that too, though, because you don't want to like go post that on Facebook and somebody take your idea. That's true. Um, that's so true. like close family and friends, people that you can trust uh, to gauge things like that. And then you have to remember they're gonna be biased. They're gonna say, Oh, I
1: I love John. For so sure. when he for just sure. came up with this idea, like everything else he does is amazing. So I, I love it, dude. You know, but whether or not complete strangers would want to fork out money for that idea, um, but but it does give you an idea of whether or not it sounds exciting to people initially. Yeah. Um I was gonna say the next thing I was gonna say is you can go ask people on social media, but I think that's a good idea, John, that you might wanna independently message people you know slide in their dms and say like what do you think about this idea um does it sound cool is it have you ever heard of any other companies doing this yeah um that's a good way to see if like people just uh organically know of other companies and like right off the bat your idea is not unique enough or maybe there's a way you can kind of set it apart and do something a little bit different from the competition so those are kind of a few ideas of how you can do some market research on your own before you get anywhere near launching a business or uh, getting further, spending any money to get into it. You kind of want to see like who your competitors would be, if any. And then if there are no competitors or there really isn't a real need that you can see or, or a desire for the product, you, you want to ask yourself, is there a reason that this unique idea does not exist?
0: And that's, that's a huge thing because we were talking about this before. It's like, you know, if you're in an area and you decide, I want to start growing corn and (laughs) nobody around here is growing corn. And then you do some research and you find out, well, nobody's growing corn because it doesn't grow well at this spot, you know, or something like that. Like it could be anything, but it's, that's one of the, the biggest things because like with me, like at one point I had the skateboard business and trying to do that in Muskogee, Oklahoma if I lived in California, that would have gone a lot better than it did here. Yeah, I don't know if
1: skateboarding is a huge thing, and especially even in Tulsa. Or
0: yeah, well, I mean, City. like down these country roads, you know.
1: Yeah, no sidewalks. You yeah. don't want you don't want to start a skateboarding company in a town that doesn't have sidewalks yeah. <laughs> or skate
0: parks, right? Yeah. Actually, um, we do now. Oh, really? We have two. Okay. Well, we had two. We have one now. Okay, so we're doing market research as we talk. There we so go. Maybe I need to start it up again. There you go. You're
1: probably the only skateboard maker in this town of 50,000 people.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. You know, this reminded me a lot of, um, didn't there used to be a Starbucks in Muskogee and it closed down because people weren't willing to pay like five or six bucks for a cup of coffee?
0: Yes. They actually just recently built another one though, but they, there was one here And then it closed, and for like 10 years, we didn't have one.
1: Yeah, and if, I mean, everyone listening knows about Starbucks, and most of you probably have a Starbucks within a mile or two of where you live or work. So to hear of a town of 50,000 people where a Starbucks did not work out. So obviously, the people at the top in Starbucks um, did not do their proper market research and did not realize that a lot of people here might want to Make their own cup of coffee at home for a fifty cents or a dollar, and not spend what is it like nineteen dollars for a cup of coffee now at Starbucks. <laughs> well, I mean, so. we
0: we also we had multiple established coffee places here in town, locally but, owned. Yeah, and their pricing was better than what Starbucks pricing was, and yeah. honestly, their drinks were better too. Our coffee shops, if you look where they are in our town. They're, uh, they're right by where like the VA call center is. Mm. Um, so, so there's like, already a lot of traffic. There's a ton of people there and they can really easily walk across the street and grab a cup of coffee. And, uh, those coffee shops are there for a reason. That's not an accident. That's market research.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so some of market research is like, where are you going to play? If you have a physical storefront, where are you going to place that storefront? So the, there's yeah. a lot of foot traffic. So your sign is. Visible enough for people to be excited to walk in you also want to make sure that you, you that your idea If there are competitors that your idea is distinguished enough from the market competition That you're gonna have like a pathway to still be successful and bring people into your business versus the competitors so a great example um, I was talking to you before John uh, before the show started about how when you had your sign shop with a store you had a storefront yeah with a sign shop and you were telling me tell me a little bit about what you guys offered that was different than the other shops here
0: uh well i think whenever we first started i mean we were in business for a long time there was uh us and then a few other companies and those other companies just slowly over time fizzled out and it was us in the same company for a long time and this was and, your grandpa and then your yeah dad, my grandpa and, and you, my dad you were all involved yeah mm-hmm. yep out of all the sign shops in town, we were all basically offering the same products, but we started noticing um, on because we would have options to where you could buy like a sign with calendared vinyl versus cast vinyl. Calendared vinyl is an indoor vinyl, so if you use it outside, it doesn't last very long. Uh, cast vinyl is made for outdoor use. It lasts a long time. So we offered two different price points at first. But then we stopped doing it because somebody would come in and want to save money, put a logo on the side of their car with calendared vinyl, the cheap vinyl, and it would shrink and crack within a year or so. And then that made us look bad, Uh, even though the customer knew that when they purchased it. Just if somebody saw it and somebody said, hey, who did your graphic? And they said, we did. And then they saw that it's all cracked and messed up. We didn't want our our name on that. So we decided we're done doing the cheap vinyl. So even though all these other places in town were not, uh, they would offer both, we decided we weren't going to do that anymore. And there's a reason why we outlasted the majority of them.
1: Yeah, that that reminds me a lot of what we do with our maps, where some people have asked, some customers have asked, will you uh, have a foldable version of your maps, like a thinner paper foldable version so that it will be cheaper to purchase from you guys and also to ship to me. And we purposefully, John, I think it's a good idea that we, we only have flat maps. They can be rolled up and mailed in tubes, which is how we mail most of them to our customers. Yeah. But we, we don't skimp on the quality. No. And we also have maps that, that are the most comprehensive, that have by far the most amount of uh, tribal nations on them. And so in that way, we're kind of guaranteeing in a couple different ways that people are going to see the quality Of not only the research but
0: also the actual end product I I think that's really important so sometimes doing those things uh, end up costing us a lot more money but it's one of those things that it's like the calendared vinyl it's been a long time uh, since I've done the vinyl printing but when I stopped doing vinyl printing a roll of calendared vinyl the cheap vinyl was around 160 $170 but a roll of cast vinyl was almost $900 Whoa. So the price difference was major. So whenever people would come to us and we would charge more than the other guy, they would say they can do it for this price, and I would say make sure they're doing it with cast vinyl. And they would talk to them; they're doing it with calendared vinyl. It's the cheap stuff. That's why this costs more because it's going to last a lot longer. And so with us, like we're putting out uh, with the Travel Nations maps, we put out a better product, and we also ship it in a tube, which cost us a lot of money because if you don't ship tubes you don't know this, but shipping a tube costs way more than shipping a box because they can't put it on a conveyor belt because it rolls or so, a flat envelope. Yeah. Right. That's way cheaper as well. Oh, big time cheaper. Yeah. So, I mean, so we have to, in most cases, cause like on our website, our average shipping price for a tube is like $15. And in most cases it costs a little more than that for us to ship it.
1: Yeah. So we have to, that's kind of another conversation, but we have to factor in a lot of pricing. So that's one thing too, is, when you're doing research on what um, what your idea is, you want to make sure that you. Uh, we'll get into this in later shows, I'm sure, but we want to talk about um, we want we want to be aware of the cost of producing whatever you're going to make versus what you're going to sell it for. Yeah. Um, when you're doing market research, part of that is seeing whether or not potential customers would want to pay what you would have to charge. Yeah. To make some type of profit and also to cover all of your overhead and other costs. And so there's a lot to go into. There's, there's, there are a lot of reasons that people don't ever take an idea in their head and put it into fruition and actually make it happen. Yeah. So that's one, one thing we're going to try to help people with here is it's really easy to get stuck in that mode or in your own headspace and think, you know, this isn't possible or there are too many steps And it's really not once you, once you start going, you know, once you have a project and you're like, I want to do this, you know, I have, I have an, I have an idea. Um, I need to research whether or not it's a good idea. I need to, you know, create a website, get a unique URL. And there's a few steps, but once you start going, I mean, a lot of this stuff can be done within a day or two. Yeah. And you could be live very, very quickly.
0: Yeah. Well, and some stuff takes time because... Like a good example of that, like with our farm, like when we first started doing it, we did it just because like we had a lot of extra time at home. I mean, we were all stuck at home for a while. I mean, we all were. So we decided to do some family projects together and we started a a garden. And then we decided that since we're providing like our own vegetables, we wanted to start doing uh, some type of protein. So then we got into quail because we lived in the city. Um, And that was something that we could do. And that turned into a business, but whenever we first went to the farmer's market, I didn't know how to do research, uh, like market research for the area, until we got there, really. Because we got there, we started selling quail eggs, and then we also like, um, I I like to grow house plants and stuff, so we were selling house plants and quail eggs, and that was our main thing that we sold. And then when we got to the market, you see all these other vendors that are there, and then you realize where some of these holes are, that don't exist and like my wife made this amazing sourdough bread and nobody at the market had sourdough bread so we started doing the sourdough bread and bringing that in and every single week um, like normally within a few hours we sell out of all the bread and all of the quail eggs uh, enough to where we had to keep going and from looking like we wouldn't have added the sourdough if we wouldn't have been at the market and seen the hole for it I mean, and there's other people that are doing the same too. Cause we had it for a while. Like there was nobody there providing any kind of pork product and another guy in town, like he's, he stepped up to that. He had a farm, he switched gears, started doing pork. And now he's at the market every week with pork available and constantly making sales. But like, we wouldn't have grown to do the stuff that we do for our farm. If it wouldn't have been the research that happened once we got there. And when we saw what There was holes there, but it's not just the holes that were there. It's stuff that we were good at too. So we could take something that we're good at and fill that gap with that.
1: Yeah. That's a great example. Those are great examples of on the ground market research. You literally went to the farmer's market, brought what you were going to bring. You had a certain investment probably in, in all the materials and and items you had for sale, right? And like your time and everything you had to set up and everything, but then you're literally on the ground in person Looking at the other vendors that are there and and thinking you were probably having epiphanies like going off in your brain, right? Like, oh, we have this, and no one else does. Yeah. or we could probably add this to what we have and then you probably had to think about space concerns, whether or not you can fit that or fit the time into breeding more quell and oh yeah, having more having them lay more eggs for this,
0: you know? Well, and another um, thing is like since those things were successful, guess what was at the next next season of the market? Let me guess. Other people were selling the same thing. Yeah. Yep. But guess how many of those people are still there selling the same thing that we sell? Tell me, man. There's none. Everybody that came and did what we were doing, because we had the passion behind it, because it's stuff that we enjoyed and we were already doing. Uh, So we had the longevity to push forward. But whenever other people found out, you know, it takes this long to make sourdough bread, like we have some friends that are there that also uh, like this season is their first season and they offer sourdough bread too. And we actually love it because since we sell out of sourdough so quickly, it gives people option to buy it somewhere else too. But for the quail eggs, like nobody wanted to continue to put the, the work into that because quail, I mean, they're not hard, but they're a lot more work than a chicken. The, the passion that we had kind of kept pushing that forward But because we did the market research and people saw that we did the research, they tried to take advantage of that and it didn't pan out for them because they didn't have the passion to follow it up to keep it going.
1: Well, it's like almost like you guys had the initial passion and the wherewithal and people that were copying you, they were coming at it from a place of like uh, profiting but not not through passion. Yeah. So you just sometimes what you have to do is you just have to stick with your idea and write it out. Yeah. You know, you may have some competition. Let's say you have a really good idea and someone else else has the exact same idea or similar and you're both selling a similar product and you're trying to distinguish your product, but maybe it's not working as well as you would like. Yeah. You're still going to get some sales. So yeah. in instances like that, you can always um, provide better customer service. You can, email people quicker. You can do things like if someone messages you on Facebook or Instagram, you can respond quickly or have like an auto responder. Mm -hmm. So people feel like you're really getting back to them. So there's a lot of ways to still sell something that a lot of people are also selling, but just set yourself apart. That's kind of the overall theme here is you have an idea, you, you want it to be either unique or you have to set yourself apart from the competition in one way or another. Right. And just yeah. you have to be consistent because I think something like 90% of businesses um, don't exist after the first year. Oh, yeah. So um, anyone who has a business, first of all, you know, you're brave for putting yourself out, out there like that. and But you want to write it out. You want to continue and, and, you know, reach out for help, not give up. And again, you know, we're here if you want to email us and with any questions, we'll try to help you and guide you along the way. I really like the idea of our podcast that we are trying to get a little bit more in depth than the average uh, business startup uh, podcast where they kind of like gloss over things. And we're going to have guests on, but we're going to make sure when when our guests are on here that we ask them, you know, detailed questions. We might not spend an hour on each subject or or topic, but we're going to ask them like, how did you actually make this happen? I think that's that's probably the most exciting thing for me about doing this is, Thinking about our future episodes and how we'll be able to really guide people tangibly into uh, all the different aspects and what you what you have to do, and it's going to be nice if we see if we're able to help people and get some stories of how we help them succeed or oh for help sure them get to the next
0: benchmark or well, and um, I'm excited. Just I mean, bringing in guests in general like, you know, this, like me and you together, like we love to create together Mm -hmm. and, uh, creating new businesses is exciting for us. Like we said, we've, we've done a bunch together. Some work, some don't, you know, that's, that's just part of doing that, but getting to meet other like-minded people that have done the same thing and created stuff. Like I'm excited to sit down and learn from some of these people, because even though all of our business that we have, every single bit of it is online you know, we're going to have some interviews with people that they're brick and mortar people and they may be doing stuff that we never even thought about doing for online stuff too. Like there's just so much growth um, and things that we can learn from each other. And I don't mean like learn from them, like, you know, steal what they're doing or anything like that, but just like their process of how they think things out and, you know, stuff like that. I'm just, That's super interesting to me.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And I, I think we need to also talk about, we talked about doing market research, but there's actual ways you can test out your idea um, in a little bit more scientific way than we've discussed so far. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to kind of mention a couple of these and see if John has some comments about this as well. Um, you can also, you can always, if you happen to already have like an email campaign company that you're using, like Constant Contacts or uh, MailChimp or kind of the bigger two ones that that I know of. um, There's literally probably a hundred different companies to do this. You can collect email addresses from your customers that decide to opt in, make sure they want to opt in, um, right? That they're giving you permission, but you can upload their email addresses and send, you can kind of create your own advertising and email campaigns. You can send out uh, A-B testing emails, which is basically like, Two different emails that are kind of similar to each other to see what will land better, um, which email campaign gets more opens, which campaign gets more people asking you questions or making a purchase. So sometimes, for example, if someone has 50,000 email subscribers and you uh, two different campaigns to 500 people each you can see what what is going to get the better response rate and then based on that you can say okay now i'm going to send out a big blast to everyone based on which idea worked better so here's a few other ideas of of ways you can test out your marketing your marketing idea or just your business idea again you can go on social media and ask people you can personally ask customers you've already had Does this sound like something you would purchase? Um, You can listen to your customers. A lot of times if you already have a a business that exists right now, we'll get people all the time that will say, do you have a map showing these these tribes or this area? And John and I will have to kind of talk about whether or not that map, there would be much of a market for it. Like if this is just one person asking for a really unique map and in 10 years from now, if we'll ever sell another one, or if this is something that a lot of people would probably be interested in if if it was in front of them. Yeah. So a big thing about when you have a business idea is just take time to think it through. You know, the, the old adage of sleep on it. Yeah. That's that's a really good idea. You might get really excited, like John was talking about how excited and, and super, <laughs> super duper excited he gets sometimes and, and me as well. And I think both of us know sometimes you have to slow down really think about it um, ponder all the possibilities the time involved whether or not customers would be interested or not another thing to keep in mind when you're going to start a new business is you want to think about how you're going to protect your idea or protect your business from other people stealing it um, getting a little bit too confident about taking your ideas and running with it themselves there are a few official ways to protect your business you can trademark it copyright patent your idea and a lot of people get confused about the the differences between those three things and it is very confusing when i started my map company i had to really i had to call the u.s copyright office and ask people sometimes who were not that helpful um, (laughs) about what the best idea moving forward would be for me it was kind of interesting when you're copywriting like physical goods there's Sometimes they should be copywritten, sometimes they can be trademarked, but basically to sum it up, please email us if you have any questions on your particular business idea to ask us how you should probably protect your idea. Um, Please let us know. But basically a copyright protects original works like art, literature, other created works that you've done. A trademark usually protects names, slogans, logos, and a patent usually protects inventions. Yeah. So like, let's say scientific uh, inventions, medicine, different compositions of things. Sometimes you can tr- either trademark or copyright the same item. It gets really tricky. There's books on this subject. We could give some recommendations if people had any questions. You can call like the U.S. Copyright Office and they'll have you waiting on the phone for hours and hours. That's an option though. You get through to a person who's like really, who has that job in government because they just really love helping people protect their work. I've had some great conversations with people. Yeah. You can just Google U.S. Copyright Office phone number. And there will be numbers for uh, various departments within the U.S. Copyright Office to try to get to someone who will answer your question more directly. This is a really, really broad topic, but I wanted to bring it up today because a lot of people, they'll start a business and not protect it in any way.
0: You know, a couple months
1: later five years later, someone steals the idea. Oh,
0: I have a a great story of that. Mm -hmm. There was a guy uh, that didn't live very far from here at all, about 15, 20 minutes that had a bait shop and he ran it for like 50 some odd years, had the same name forever. And somebody on vacation came by and went to his bait shop liked the name of his bait shop. So created their own business. Um, but copyrighted everything, trademarked everything, uh, and sent him uh, a letter saying that he had to change his name and legally he had to because he never did any of that stuff. So after like 50 some odd years of using the same, uh, name and logo, another guy came in and stole it. Wow. Like his logo and everything just stole it.
1: It's not like the days where you could just, uh, shake hands with someone and, and hope things are done correctly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You really have to protect your work, your ideas. That's a great story. It's also a sad story. Oh, I hate it. Um, that's <laughs> I hate horrible. It. I so mean, he, he's,
0: re, he's retired now and he's fine. Uh, like I still see him every once in a while, but it's just an awful way. What, what an I mean, experience. Gosh. I'm sure he
1: was older at that point too, and probably not wanting to deal. With oh that, yeah. I think he time. was,
0: uh, in cause he started it when he was in his twenties, I think. So he was, uh, late 70s-ish, probably. Wow. When all that happened. How's that for retirement news? Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. You know, so you want to make sure that you, in some way or another, protect your work. But here's another caveat to that. You don't want to, like, have an idea, wake up the next morning, start building your website, and then immediately go to pay for, like, copywriting or protecting your work, um, hiring an attorney to help you draw up the paperwork. You don't want to put a bunch of money into... Protecting your work and until you know for sure that you're going to move forward. It's a viable company. You see profit coming down the pipeline. You've really thought it through and you're going to go forward with this. You, you can have 10 different business ideas and then you can copyright all 10 and you're like thousands of dollars in, in the hole already. So yeah, just take that slow. Again, think think on it thoroughly wake up the next day or take a month to think about how you're going to do this. Maybe maybe get some initial information about how you would protect it. Just have that kind of stored away. And when it's time to do it, it's going to cost a little bit of money. Yeah. Um, so just think about that. John and I also wanted to kind of talk today about taking your ideas into fruition and actually making them occur, making them happen. So John and I both have some examples of how we've Gone from the idea stage, just something in our mind, to researching it a little bit, like we've talked about, to eventually um, going for it. So, John, I think you probably have a good example of that
0: you'd like to share. The reptile business? Yes. 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 <laughs> tell them uh, <him>, <laughs> about this new,
1: this other business that we have not mentioned yet that you did, one yes. of your hundred different titles.
0: Yeah. Well, um, the reptile business started. Um, oh gosh, I don't even remember when that started, but it was one of those things that I, I've always had like animals like growing up and like, uh, lizards and whatnot. And, uh, one day I, um, I worked for a vet clinic and I took, I had some bearded dragons that I bred together and then, uh, sold the babies and I made a good amount of money doing that. So I decided to get more and it just kind of progressively got more and more and I did that for a long time, and it's kind of funny that I actually got to the point that I stopped doing it, um, and but I still had pets and stuff, but I had a friend that owned a pet store, and she was having trouble with the reptile side of things and getting stuff in, so I told her that I would start providing all of her reptiles uh, for her so she didn't have to worry about it, um, so I kind of started up again and started doing that, and that started off doing really well, but then how it was set up, I didn't make any money until the reptile sold. So basically, it's like my animals were there, and then once they sold, I would make money off of them, and then she would get her percentage off of them as well. And so there was a lot of animals that would be there, and they would just be there forever. They wouldn't sell, and I would have a hard time selling that so trying to figure out what would sell, like what research could I do to make this business work? And I came up with the idea of starting a website called freereptilecaresheets.com. That's another business that does not exist anymore. But um, at the time, once I created it, I had, um, I talked to experts all over the world uh, in their field with uh, different reptiles to write care sheets and information of how to take care of these animals. And they wrote these care sheets for me and had thousands of them on the website. And then all of a sudden, I was getting lists of what people were opening, what was the most popular, what was farther down the list. And then from that, I started just keeping those top animals in stock at the pet store. And we sold them all the time. We had no issues with stuff sitting around.
1: And how are you getting those lists of sheets that were missing or people were asking for?
0: The care sheet stuff Mm -hmm. Um, I if it was whenever I first started I basically just went and made a list of every reptile in the pet industry that I knew about and then I went and did research I mean this was a lot of work I did research to find out who was the expert in that animal gotcha so they wrote and created those uh, care sheets and so, like, we were constantly dumping new care sheets on the website. So this was not like a quick thing. This was, I mean, we that that website ran for like ten years, but it was uh, constantly adding stuff. But then, whenever I could go um, and look in the website, it would show me which ones have been opened the most and read the most, okay, and stuff like that. So that's how I was able to get my list. You saw what was in demand. Yeah, because I mean, that number, I mean, that list would change too. You know, And then we also had to change some stuff because our city uh, changed some of the rules on what uh, exotic animals could be uh, in city limits. So we had to make adjustments for, for that as well. And honestly, that business would probably all still be going. If Susan that owned the pet store, she decided to uh, retire and she closed it down. I didn't bring that to any other business to continue to move forward with anyone locally because we had a pet go move into town. And, uh, honestly, like that made good money and it did well, but by this time you and I were starting to do maps and stuff. So it wasn't essential to, to keep that going anymore.
1: Well, when I met you, John, um, tell everyone what you had in your backyard, the t- the, which one <laughs> to show you how passionate this guy is about reptiles <laughs> oh, and, and, the and breeding, breeding animals. Uh, when I met this guy. I walk into his house it's full of you know fish tanks and yeah <laughs> and then I go into his backyard the first time and he's got this red kind of this red building yeah I walk into it and it's nothing but like trays of
0: snakes and bearded dragons and lizards and yep.
1: what else did you have in there
0: I think by the time that I met you we were mostly breeding we had leopard geckos bearded dragons various different kinds of snakes we used to have ball pythons but pythons was one of the the list items of stuff you couldn't have in city limits anymore Mm -hmm. so we didn't have that anymore and then did i have i know at one point i had a huge huge tortoise that lived in our backyard was he there when you were there i think
1: i saw that tortoise i i do remember like the first couple years i knew you you were mailing reptiles across the country this is like a Brand new concept I had never heard of. I'm like, you're mailing this little breathing thing and like (laughs) this very specialized package like to Arizona from Oklahoma and things like that. It just kind of blew my mind. There's really, there's, you know, what that made me think of is there's really a market for everything.
0: Oh, for sure. You know,
1: and there's a way to figure out how to package it and send it, you know, to almost any corner of the world. Um, So that was really eye opening for
0: me. Well, that's one of those things too that I was... Uh, like, we would still have a lot of that stuff. But, like, where we live now on our farm, like, our house is 124 years old now or 25 years old. It's cooler in the winter months, so it's more expensive to to keep a cage, like, heated for a reptile. So this is the first time, like, I haven't had a reptile uh, in a couple of years, which has been weird because since I've been a little kid, I've always had something.
1: Listening to John here, you wouldn't believe that he has probably at least a hundred animals he's got ducks and rabbits and dogs so i don't think
0: you're missing animals you just kind of switch the kind of animals yeah 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 Yeah. now everything that we have uh serves a purpose in some way Mm -hmm. because the dogs that we have like they're guardian dogs to our animals outside and then we have our dog inside and she's more of guardian of the house kind of thing but i mean like with the quail we get eggs from the quail we get the meat from the quail we raise chickens and turkeys for the same thing. We have the rabbits. Um, we don't eat the rabbits. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people do, but my daughter raises you, those and she just likes to have them. You around. just
1: have those for the Easter bunny eggs, right? Oh, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I've never had a homegrown Easter bunny egg. I haven't. No. I'll, have to, I'll have to come back in April, see how they taste. There you go. I got you. Yep. <laughs> but Okay, so great.
1: So, yeah, we've, we both have some examples of how ideas kind of go from zero to, to 10. And that's a great example of John finding a really niche idea. Um, he kind of got into it because there was a need here locally in town. And then he kept going with it. And and people would pay big money to, to buy these um, reptiles and have you mail them to them. And, oh, you know, yeah.
0: Sometimes you get thousands of dollars for one animal.
1: Yeah. And you have the passion to know how to take care of these animals. Yeah. Uh, If anything happened to the animal in in, in
0: route, you know, you had some type of insurance or safety guard for the customer. Well, and the good thing is with that, because of how uh, the requirements of shipping stuff like that, I've, I mean, I've shipped hundreds and hundreds of reptiles and I've never had a single one get hurt or die in shipping. I mean, if you don't do it properly, then for sure that can happen. But yeah, I never had any issues with uh, any of that, which has been great.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. And again, you know, like we've taken the idea, I've discussed the idea of our maps. I've taken it from a very early age into, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I literally put some poster boards on my wall in my bedroom and hand wrote tribal names all across North America. Which you know?
0: is actually cool. If you go in his office now, not too long ago, I think, was it your was it your dad that brought you that or did you find yeah, it? Yeah, he found the original one yeah. I had made. He's got it hanging up in his office. And, uh, like, it's just, it's crazy to look at it now because you look at what you had handwritten there and the shape is almost the United States. Uh, Yeah. Well, I drew it by hand, man. Come on. (laughs) But no, it's uh, to look at that compared to where we are now with thousands and thousands of names. Like, it's just, it's so cool to see where you started and where you are.
1: Yeah. We've taken it, I've taken it from the idea of a young kid to actually starting to create like a really rough sketch of what I was thinking of doing, um, all the way to copywriting it about 12 years ago, to now um, I have John to help me to make them look aesthetically pleasing. He also helps me print them. So, and I do the research. So it it does take a lot of work. Every business is a little different and we've had some examples of how, uh, we wanted to give you a couple examples of how we have taken a business idea and made it happen. That's the key. If you want to come up with a business, you have to make it happen one way or another. And so we're giving you some keys as far as how to do that. One last thing I'd like to kind of close out with today is talking about getting back to the initial cost to making your idea a reality. We've gone over this a little bit, but I just wanted to kind of touch base. We're going to be getting into this probably in a future episode as well, but you're going to have initial costs like the cost of Registering your domain, you're gonna to have to have a find a web hosting company, or if you're going to have a storefront, you're gonna to have to find a location. And you're yep. gonna to have to pay the first and last month's rent of a store, for
0: example. Yeah, and um, then so, if you have if you get to a storefront, then you also have to think about signage, and then you have to get mm-hmm. licensing for signage. Like there's business licenses. Like, yeah.
1: There are some initial costs. We'll get into that later, but do, you know, when you come up with an idea. Part of coming up with the idea and getting it to reality is you're going to have to have some startup cost. There's some businesses you can start for as little as like 10 or 20 bucks. Oh, or yeah. Just start a website. That's it. There's nothing else to it. Um, you're going to have to do some extra work besides that, but the actual cost is going to be pretty low and it can go way higher. You may have a business where you have to open the doors with $100,000 in inventory on the shelves oh, for sure. or no one's going to take you seriously. So... Our businesses have tended to be online. We've had a couple storefront businesses as well. That's a way that you can kind of save on overhead.
0: So thanks guys so much for listening to Startup Stable Success. Thank you so much for listening to Startup Stable Success. If you have any questions or maybe an idea for a future episode, or maybe you want to sponsor an episode, please hit us up at startupstablesuccess@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.